0: Hey everybody, welcome to another segment of Tony's show. Tonight, I'm going to do something a little different. It's uh trying to be a little creative here because there's some <laughs> some real tough things going on today, and I think everybody needs to realize that, hey, we've never been in a democracy in the West. Anybody who still thinks that we have been in a democracy, then please define what a democracy is. Define that. Because I can define what corporocracy is, and I can define what fascism is, because fascism and corporocracy are one and the same. Now, we use the term corporocracy today because fascism has a negative connotation, because of the Second World War. So let's define what a corporocracy and a fascist system is. Okay, let's really get into that and define that because when we do that, then we can see what we don't have and what we really do have. What we have is a corporocracy or a fascist system where a bank or a corporation actually control the political will of the people. In other words, they design the laws, they create the functions, they make the rules. In order for you to live and sustain in that society or that system, you must comply to the regulations of fascism or corporocracy. That's what we have in Canada today, and uh, we've always had in Canada, and that's what you've always had in the United States, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, the Commonwealth, and throughout Europe, Asia, Near East, Far East, Caribbean, South America, Africa. Africa has been under a total corporocracy forever. They have never, never been free. None of us have ever really been free. All this bullshit about our history and how a president had a civil war in America to set the slaves free, they never got set free. The racism and the, and the atrocities that have happened to the Negroes in America are uh, un, Unbelievable. The only culture that suffered worse than the Negroes in America are the Native Indians in Canada and the U.S., more so in Canada. And they are still being fucked with to this day. Unbelievable what I saw out west when I was there for a short time. I I thought we had grown out of this racist mentality, but it's still here. And the reason why it's still here, and the reason why they have set up this, this dispersion of Animosity toward different cultures and calling somebody a black man or a white man or a red man or a Yellow man or what a brown man is because they created that as a means to discriminate and To disassociate from each other It's more of us than them it's more slaves and there are Taskmasters so they had to put a control mechanism and one of the easiest ways to do it was to segregate Just by categorizing people in a color. That's all it took. That's all it took. Later on, they did the same kind of categorization, separation, by status, by job, so forth and so on. The reason why I'm starting to show this way, because I'm trying to lead up to something, how we have become devolved in this process. And while we have been devolving, because we have not paid attention to the fact that we are not not living in a democracy, you don't have a voice, not really. You only have what the taskmasters will allow you to have. Period. If it's going to cause more problems than it's worth, they will give you that crumb. But believe me, they take away from you the steak, they take away from you the meat. That's what they're doing now. They want you to quit eating meat and eat bugs or this, this 3D processed shit they're making in the lab so that you'll die faster. Now, I'm presenting this because the predeci- prede- predecessors of us who have gone through this road, most of us have stood by and watched thinking that things have gotten better, but they haven't. There's a mother in Alberta, and I started sh- on the other day. I was going to play it yesterday, and I decided I'll just make a show of it today and start it started off today. This mom went to Alberta from Newfoundland because she wanted to get away from the educational system that was treat, uh, teaching humanism instead of uh, godly concepts. She believed in God. She decided to go to Alberta thinking that Alberta was a more, you know, Christian orientated place. She learned, she learned very quickly how that was a false concept. Catholic Church and, and, and the uh, state, let's call it the state at for this point, it's a province, we'll call it the state, the state of thuggery, uh, basically joined forces to take away her children because they had abused their child sexually in, in the Catholic school, and then they proceeded to take the children away and were going to perform a surgical procedure on the boy without the consent of the parents to change the child's sex. So my point is this: If you really think you're a free person in Canada or the United States, you aren't. You aren't. If the legal institutions can come in to cover up a religious institution's violation on a on a child, and then make you out to be the idiot or the responsible party, that you know, because your children um, are making up. Stories. The child was psychologically and emotionally impaired uh, as a result of the violation done to the child. The mother was just in tatters. Okay, she, she couldn't even leave. They, they, had so, they had her in such terror. And then they took her children away and wouldn't allow her to have any access to the children. I'm going to play a couple songs and then I'm going to get into that. And I want you to think about these songs written by Marvin Gaye back in the 80s. 70s, I grew up with this, and I grew up during that time of the racial disparity. I grew up in Detroit when I was younger, and I saw firsthand the violence that was going on, National Guard with tanks coming down, with uh, soldiers with guns, came right down my neighborhood. And in Canada, what Canadians have to wake up to can't even come back to your own country without having to have some ridiculous identification which is un, not required, nor is it legal. But now they're putting police in, in the border so that if you come in and challenge the, the health, ca- health can, they'll fine you. Now what in fuck's name are they doing there violating Canadians? And why are they violating Canadians? This is ridiculous what's going on in this country. You have no idea how, how rapid they are trying to change Canada into a more fascist-controlled uh, country. It requires, a, it requires a secession from this confederation because this confederation is completely corrupt. There is no saving it and there is no dealing with it. The provinces need to separate themselves from the confederation that's here and form a whole new alliance which, is, which would exclude this from the system. Or else the WEF will just plant their flag here and there will be nobody left to fight because everybody will either be fined to death, put into some internment camp and killed out that way through experimentation, or will be chipped like a freaking dog So that they can now control everything you're doing, know what you're thinking, when you're sleeping, when you're awake, who you're talking to, where you've been, what you've done. That's a complete corporate takeover of people. They are basically stating emphatically that you are no longer a free man or a free woman under any law. That you are now the sole property of the corporation that's what this is all about and Canada happens to be a testing ground just like Australia and New Zealand maybe South Africa I've not been hearing too much about South Africa lately but if any of you in South Africa are hearing here the show and you have anything got to say please send it to me I will be the voice like you know and tell people what's going on anywhere in the world Caribbean that's another ex- Commonwealth Territory that again is violent. we've all heard about the Queen being dead now they made a big deal out of it because she's 96 I heard the Queen was dead two years ago and all we've been seeing is some kind of proxy or some sort of a, um, hologram of her for the last two years so now they've decided because of this particular uh, satanic time to declare that she's dead isn't that amazing just amazing A lot of the leaders that you think are still alive today aren't. They have moved on to the next level, wherever that may be. And they made a big brouhaha about all this. They have left the world in tatters. They shattered the the structure of this planet. They destroyed people's lives by destroying their uh, uh, economics. And yet, we're praising these people. Or these entities, or whatever you want to call them, unbelievable, unbelievable. You know, the concept that, um, and even even making comments about the weather. There'll be links here tonight, so you can go look at what some of the things I'm saying. Because I may not be able to get to all the links because of the show. But there's the guy was interviewing a scientist. The scientist said, we, "Mankind has nothing to do with what's going on today. Nothing, zero. This is just a cyclical cycle that the Earth goes through every so often, and we see these changes and these anomalies happening. Where there is an interference is when the corporations, again, the corporocracies, involve themselves in weaponizing frequencies and drilling." Uh, drilling oil, drilling rigs in the, in the oceans or in the seas, knowing full well that the membrane between the ocean and the land and the oil below it is so thin that any rupturing of that membrane could cause catastrophic consequences. Like what they did in the Gulf of Mexico years ago. A lot of people forgot about that. A lot of people forgot about the core exit they put into the Gulf of Mexico and how it stopped the movement of the jet stream of the Gulf. As a result, we have all kinds of weather anomalies and then I got something sent to me this week where the Gulf of Mexico was on fire. Imagine that. Water burning. What's in the water? So I'm going to play a couple tunes. I think they're, they're a- apropos for tonight. Um, it's you know, I have them set up here. I think this is it. Uh, give me one second. I got to kind of look at my guide here. Okay, let me see real fast. Let me start. Okay, this is it. All right, I'm going to start here with this one, and then I'm going to go into the show with the mom. Okay, hold on. Here we go. Uh,
1: Brother, 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 there's far too many of you, Daddy. You know we've got to find a way to bring some.
0: To cut that off a little bit, you can listen to the whole thing yourself. The, the it will be there. The interesting thing about this, and I'm going to point this out, the reason why we're seeing the police forces today throughout the world non-complying to the to their oath or to whatever, is because of the George Floyd incident that happened in Minnesota. These three officers killed a man. Not a black man, not a white man, a man. They killed this man and walked away scot-free. That gave every police agency across the planet the right right to bring on police brutality. We saw it in Australia. We saw it in Canada with the truckers up in Ottawa where the horses trampled on uh, people. We're seeing it right now in Calgary, Alberta. We're seeing it all over the place. Police brutality. So, this is why we're seeing what we're seeing, because of that inc- it was a planned incident. They wanted to see what would transpire if, if broad daylight it, setting up a, raci- a racist situation on purpose, on purpose... This went way beyond the racist situation there. This went, this went to the point of seeing how far they can get away with by using the police to abuse the rights of people. They killed a man. They killed a man. They killed him. That's how far the police is willing to go today. Don't expect any help from the police. Don't expect any help from the RCMP in Canada or the CSIS or the OPP. Don't expect any help from anybody. Because that set the precedent for the police force. There are some policemen, that are, are there are some still good policemen on the force. But to be able to determine that, you'd have to have the mind of God to be able to see the, the heart and soul of a man. And some of these are not men. They, are, they thrive on violence. And they're looking for any situation. We saw a situation. Uh, up buried during this whole uh, COVID thing where a kid is skateboarding down the street, the kid grabs the, the kid, bashes him against the trunk, bashes he's only a 16, seventeen year old kid, just bashes him just because he was skateboarding down the street. Remember that? These are things these are little cracks that are happening in this fascist system. They are bringing in and they're bringing and they're going to bring it in violently. A this fascist t- uh, complete fascist ex- expose because it's already here. It's already here. Okay, the only reason America hasn't had America's had its own fair share of violence, but I'm going to say something to the Americans. Get past this racial shit, because if you stay divided over a suntan, for fuck's sakes. They're going to they're gonna stop a mud hole in your ass and walk it dry. They'll have you turn on each other so then whatever's left, they're just moving and, and just take it over. Look at Canada. Take a hard look at Canada and how they have basically decimated this country and are decimating it further. The only reason you're not taking over yet is because of the armory that you guys are allowed to have. And the guns that you can carry. That's the only reason. They're using, they are using microwave weaponry on all of you in America. You can see that on the radar maps all over the place. Those are not just r- weather radar signals. Those are weaponized radar signals, probably 6G, which I've been talking about. That's been here since the 1940s. And it was revealed back in the 1970s. So be on your toes. Be on your toes. Okay, and I'm going to play this. Like I said, I was thinking about that. I, think I wanted to point that out. The reason why we're seeing the police playing the game, and they're not, they're, being in, they're pr- providing impositions on people, trying to force them to some psychological bullshit to comply to whatever they want. This arrive can is totally illegal. Totally illegal. And, and again, the invasion of your privacy is again a complete illegal, illegality of the government. This is all the WF's doing, all of it. And it's and it's not going to go away, and you know what? If this doesn't if people if all of us don't stand up on this, this is going to lead to some kind of bloodshed up the way. Because war is not the answer, this is true, but sometimes war is. Because if it's allowed to continue to go at the rate it's going, the only way you are going to stop this is with bloodshed. That's the only way. Force meets force. If you're being passive thinking that they're going to quit they're just going to sa- keep on walking all over you. That's how it is. yeah I'm gonna play this about the mom. I want you to pay attention here to this because and I want everybody to start thinking in a in a get have a reality check just because the school is a parochial school, a private school, a Christian school, a Muslim school, a Hebrew school, whatever doesn't mean anything in regarding to your child's safety. You better be on your, on your game there. How many, how many instances have Catholic priests and Protestant ministers and I'm sure Muslim clerics and Hebrew high priests have violated children? We've heard all kinds of news about this and that. In the other places, a lot of of this gets buried. So don't assume anything because you're sending a child to some sort of school and you're paying $5,000 a year to send a a child to a school thinking that it's safe. It doesn't necessarily equate. I want you to start thinking. And homeschooling may be the best option you have. So anyway, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to start playing this. Hold on. Here we go, I hope. Yep.
2: Hello. I am Sherry Strong on behalf of Children's Health Defence Canada. Today I'm interviewing someone who, I have to say, this is the, the hardest interview I've had to do in the sense of, I feel it's one of the most important interviews I've done, um, but I had the most trepidation in the lead-up to it because this woman's story is so gut-wrenching. The, the level of injustice behind it is just mind-blowing that this is actually happening in our country. And we know she's not the only one but her story is definitely in need of public attention because going through the system is not going to help her. So Christine Wall uh, had her children kidnapped by the government in the most extraordinary, unbelievable way. And so, Christine, uh, my goal with you is that this gets shared all over the flipping world, so people can actually see what's actually happening, and the gross injustice that's actually happened to you and your family, and in some way, hopefully, um, despite incredible odds right now, get your children back to you where they are loved and cared for by the people who are meant to love and care for them so christine please tell your story um well first of all hi um i'm in
3: calgary alberta canada i'm originally from my whole family actually are originally from newfoundland canada um we had moved uh to calgary alberta in november of 2017 So pretty well close to 2018 start of the year. Uh, I initially brought my children out this way uh, to have the Catholic faith introduced to them through education. uh, Because uh, interdominational uh, in Newfoundland, when the government had taken over the school system, there was no more Catholic or any type of religion other than world religion in the schools. Uh, that was in, uh, implemented in 1998 The new plan. So when my children started school, you know, I had them in the schools at home, and I decided that, you know, I wanted them with that religion. So I had um, taken them out of world religion in school, which you could. You can opt out. But they weren't learning their own religion. So I decided to uh, move them out west. Um, So we drove, we we took our time, we drove across Canada (laughs) and took a trip out of it and uh, ended up here, like I said, in November of 2017. I had my children enrolled in the Catholic school system in Calgary and um, they seemed to be doing really well. My my oldest daughter, she always excelled. Um, She was always on the honor roll in school, she always done really well. My middle daughter, she... She had some um, learning delays where she did struggle, but they had programs in place for her uh, for her uh, to help her a lot. Uh, my son, he had some fine motor delays uh, where he struggled a lot from um, anything with zippers or buttons, uh, so he always wore pants without zippers or buttons. Same thing with sneakers for tying his shoes, like I did the whole velcro thing. But what I had implemented in the schools is that I was able to lock my son to his locker in the morning. I had that permission to be able to go to the school with him first thing in the morning so that he could I could switch out his shoes, uh, help him with his jacket, just to help him get into his desk. And I did this before the start of the morning because I didn't interrupt the class. It wasn't in progress. So this always happened uh, before the bell would ring. Uh, just to get him going so he had a good day, so he wasn't flustered, he wasn't, you know, off on a of bad search. He loved school. My son loved school. He thought he was such a loving little boy. Like, he thought he was going to a birthday party every day. He was very enthusiastic. He loved the little girls and the little boys, and he, he was just really excited. Really excited. Like, I don't know if he, he learning anything in there, or he just... He was really into wanting to go. Um, over a period of time, I found he changed quite a bit. And um, he didn't want to get out of the bed. He hated school. He'd ask him how his day was. He's like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And I found that to be very odd. So we always do um, our night routine with our children. We do our prayers we have a set prayer that we always say. The kids know him off by hand. Um, we read stories. And a lot of times in the nighttime, that's when my son opens up. Like, he talks because, I guess, he's relaxed. And he's more comfortable. So he's always talking. But uh, even in the nighttime, I found I couldn't get anything out of him. Like, he just, he's just like, I don't want to talk about it, Mom. Can we stop talking about it? And I didn't want to pressure him and push him. So I just like this. And I was like, okay, well, maybe if I keep going night by night he might he might open up so um it it became very concerning like he would not i it became like murder to try to get him out of the bed to try to drag him to school he hated it and i mean he ended up going all the time anyways but i just i felt like it was torture to to get him there so i came to find this it's a therapeutic buddy and i found him online and they're called worry buddies. Now, they're stalked animals. Uh, they're monsters. And they have zippers for their mouths. And the whole concept behind them was that you write your worries on a piece of paper. You feed them to your worry buddy. He eats away your worries. And then there's no more worries. So what I did is I got one for each of my children. So that it didn't look like I would favor them one over the other. Or, you know, I just... But extra so when I got them I gave one uh, to my son and I explained to him what it was and I did the same thing with my daughter so they went around that entire day and they were writing spiders and they were writing you know odd and the things that of nature that they were kind of worried about and um, I waited till them at bedtime same thing um we did these prayers and we did these stories on. And I and I did explain it to him again. And I'm and I promised him that everything was gonna be okay. And I sat for over an hour. In detail, he explained what he endured sexually and physically at the hands of his principal. Because I asked him to specify where it came from. So, I didn't want to scare him by getting upset when I was there, or cry, or make it look like it was a huge deal because I wanted him to confide in the fact that I was there as a comfort and I'm doing these worry buddies. I'm writing them down for you and we're gonna we're gonna make sure these are never gonna happen to you again. So that's what I did and I, I left the room and I, and I clapped. The next morning of course I didn't bring them to school I removed them all because they were all in the same school So I told my husband that And I never seen him break down like that before In chest pains. Is that something I think a parent would ever hear? You know, you hear these things, and you know, you just you always say to yourself, not my child, no, nope. You know, and you you say to yourself, "Like how did you not see and all that when you're washing them in every morning?" Because. Where my son did have those fine motor delays. He needed assistance in the washroom for pants, and it wasn't... He he was independent in that regard. It's just that to make sure, because my son could sometimes pull up his pants and his underwear will be out over him or whatever. It's just kind of to keep an eye on him and to make sure that he's okay and that he's not walking back to class where he's all out of sorts, you know? So. Um, I had my middle daughter, who was in that school, because it's not a big school. Um, she saw him all the time. She disposed this to me with the principal, always walking the halls or in the library with him. Like, he was always with my son, so this was confirmed by my daughter, so I had no idea because he seemed very genuine to me, he seemed, um, you know, very helpful. You know, and I start, and I noticed a few times like he'll come in as soon as I have my son in his desk in the morning. He'll come into the classroom and he'll say, "Okay, come on now, we'll go and we'll take you for a walk, right?" So, you know, a lot of times my son would be like, "No, I don't want to go," and I'm like, "That's really strange because he's all about, you know, exploring." And my son, like they call him Mister Meteorologist, because he loves the weather everything to do with the weather because he has um uh, sensory issues as well. So he loves the wind on his face, he loves the rain, he loves the snow. As he'll sit and staring through the window and just admire nature and the weather. And he knows like uh, he loves the world. He's he studies the world and the maps and he knows every everywhere in the world and what's the main thing in the world. Like he's very He's a very smart little boy, very very intelligent, and he knows the strangest things, but the most amazing things. And um, so, anyways, like I said, the very next day, I didn't, I didn't take him to school. I didn't know what to do. I mean, I, I, was, I was in shock because this isn't something you ever plan for. You don't know really how to move forward, kind of thing, and you don't know where to go. You don't know who to talk to. You know, so I immediately, um, my husband and I, we discussed it. We were going to go um, make a report. Um, so... Sorry. So I phoned to the police. I phoned the non-emergency line. They had discussed to me uh, that I had to come down to give my statement of what my son had told to me. So with that I made an appointment with a e. constable McGrath. I had attended District Six here in Calgary. I had recorded that that interview with her. So she wrote out a statement on free paper the same way I guess I would if I was the one saying it. Um So I had to tell it to her the way that my son told it to me, in detail. Uh, It was a really hard time. She was very sympathetic toward me. Uh, She had discussed with me at the end that they have a specialized unit for children of abuse, called the Sheldon Kennedy or Sheldon Humor Center. That they would send it to them, the abuse uh, team, and he would get in contact with me so she explained the procedure would happen that it's a center where they have um, those specialized officers but they dress in plain clothing and it's in like a, a family room kind of an atmosphere so it's more comforting for children because uh, i asked her all that like you know my son's not going to get interviewed on his own in the room with officers and it's very intimidating so i wanted to know the process so this is like what she had confirmed to me so i did leave leave the station. She left me with her number and the phone number. Uh, it was a week had gone by and I got nothing back. We were getting into the second week and it was kind of concerning because I said you know for such a serious um, scenario I would think that somebody would have gotten back to me within a couple of days. So I returned her call, uh, or sorry I gave her a call because she gave me her number. I phoned her, and I actually happened to get her, and she had a completely different attitude. Total flip attitude. I was told by her very quickly, sorry, we didn't find any merit behind uh, the investigation, therefore we closed the case. And I said, hold on a second, I swear to me, I said, you haven't interviewed my son, you haven't done any investigation on my end, What kind of an investigation was conducted? She said, well, we do our own investigation first. We found that there was no merit behind this, and we we decided to close the case. And she hung up on me. And I was like, okay, what just happened? Kind of threw me for a loop. So I phoned back within that hour, and I asked to speak to um, her superior. And this superior was none the wiser to this situation. I never spoke to him before. He was not aware of the situation. All I did was ask him, listen, can you please take this file number, look it up and please let me know Like, I know this case was closed can you give me some details into that as to why what he disclosed to me blew me loop. he had stated to me and I don't know, can I give names on this?
2: Uh,
3: it's your choice, if, um, yeah. Yep, uh, so he had he had disclosed to me that there was a Carrie Myers, who was an Assessor for Children's Services, had intervened in the investigation. She had attended the Sheldon Kennedy or Sheldon Cumor, I can't remember the name of the place, uh, the investigative team and had a meeting with them. And she had disclosed that my son was mentally retarded and a mute therefore he's not credible that was it he said I'm sorry ma'am he said that's just what I'm reading from the file so I laughed at that because I know that this particular officer I was talking to was definitely not aware of the situation he's just reading it from what like the face value and I let let it go so That was hard to hear because to describe my son as that, when he's very, like, he's talkative, he can speak, he's very aware of what's going on, my son would never, I would never even question if he was lying to me or not. Mm. The details that he gave me were not something that he could have come up with off the top of his head unless something like that had happened. I would never take it to this level of extreme if I felt there was any gaps in his story that I felt were off. Like there was none. There was none. Around the same time, my son became very ill. And he spoke, he spiked a very, very high fever. He had open sores that were literally open enough before your eyes. I couldn't believe it. He was covered. And I... We rushed into the hospital. This was like in the late night. And he was at South Health Clinic uh, Hospital. Uh, he was there for most of the night. The doctor that came in on call, he had done culture samples, scrapings of the sores, um, didn't really know what it was, so they had to go to the lab to be tested, had put him on antibiotics and some other medications, some steroid medications, and within that same week, we had gotten a call from a dermatologist, uh, uh, Dr. Remington. Dr. Remington. And we went to see him. He disclosed that my son had herpes I went in shock because it was like, Wow, wow, wow. Like, hear that you get embarrassed because you're standing up there and they're telling you this and then you're you gotta think in your mind like they must think like, My God, birds to get this. Where did he get it? You know, because yes. he took all kinds of pictures of my son. He gave me the diagnosis. I have the diagnosis here. I have all my paperwork for everything. I've recorded everything throughout with all these so I have thousands of hours of recordings. So anything that is said outside of what I say, I know that I have it support what I'm saying so he had he was highly contagious so he had to have his own towels his own face parts. I had to buy gloves they didn't have gloves I could find anywhere that were small enough for his hands so we had to buy the regular ones and cut them down and tape them off Eddie had to eat with those on, he had to go to the washroom with them on, they had to be changed three times a day. He couldn't be in contact with his other siblings because he was hot and contagious. So, myself and to his daddy, he didn't care, we didn't care. I said, I, I'm taking care of my son like I always have. He had, he had his whole room set off, it was almost like a clinic. With the towels and the bandages and the creams and everything that he had and the sores that he had on, like. so So much for little boys and pictures of So So throughout that, I knew I had to get my kids to school. I had truancy on me about getting in the school.
2: Can, Christine, can I just um, ask you to name the school that your son was at? Uh,
3: St. Stephen's Catholic School.
2: St. Stephen's Catholic School, now the principal that did this to your son is no longer at that school. I just want to let people know. Um, yeah. All right. But I think it's important that they know the school.
3: And he's not from my knowledge and I can't confirm one hundred percent, but I know that he is not around children in the in the particular job that he's he's currently at. I know there was no investigation done on him from my angle, from
2: what had happened to my son. So no investigation. This this situation's claim is, has been made, and case is shut down. They've lied about your son's abilities to communicate, and that's the, the reason they shut it down. No investigation, no discussion with your son, no investigation on the principal. But interestingly enough, the principal's no longer the principal of the school working with young children. And from memory, you told me his background was working or he studied how to work with disabled children, in particular children with disabilities, which we all know are far more vulnerable to being, you know, abused. Correct. So, can um, let me know—is there any other details you want to share about this? But I want to kind of get onto the timeline of what actually happened to you and your family as a result of this.
3: Um, you know what? I could give details that I know of the school itself. Yes, they also have a seclusion room.
2: A seclusion
3: room. Now, this is a very well-known thing here in Alberta. We have them in the schools here. It's a discipline room. That's here in Alberta.
2: That was passed. A seclusion right. discipline room in a school. Correct. Correct. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking. Is this like 1940? Is are these residential schools like? Sorry, but that's a complete, what the, f- moment.
3: And I can tell you, you can, you can actually research that. That was a, that was actually passed to keep that in the schools because a lot of children, uh, well they didn't expose it to parents, parents were not privy to that information, but that's what they have. But now my son, I don't know if he was in that particular room but my, my son discusses about being locked in a boot closet with jackets that he's been kicking and screaming to get out of, that he's gotten out of at many times and ran down the hall where they chased him, caught him and slapped him off the side of the head, took him back. There's a lot of abuse that he's also disclosed always detailed to me, so I don't know how often he was in the seclusion room? If he was in the seclusion room, I, I don't know, but I know that it is something that the Alberta government has passed to implement into the schools here.
2: So, and forgive me, um, you can say no, but in the most kind of, uh, it's it's skirting the line of. Um, too much information and not enough information about the nature of the abuse that your son disclosed to you. I'm assuming if your son has herpes, that there is penetration. Did your son communicate, was he able to communicate the details of his abuse? And you don't need to go into it, but. Was he able to communicate the you details,
3: tell me the details yes.
2: yeah okay and i'm i don't want you to go into details i don't want to like create that kind of dynamic around this but i think it's really important for people to understand and not just kind of gloss it over and say he was abused right that there has to be you know your your son was terrified to go to school and and if he has herpes you know and he's screaming not to go to school there's a reason why and i think It's also important as a cautionary tale for other parents that children don't one day love to go to school and it's like a birthday party every day and the next day they're kicking and screaming and, you know, not wanting to go and then showing up with herpes, you know, for no reason. So my apologies for, you know, any discomfort that I create in highlighting that, but I think it's important in this story just to put a little bit of emphasis on it before we move on. So, can you tell me, is there anything else that's relevant before we go into the details of what happened to you and your family?
3: Um, there was, there's a lot in between. Like I've, we've suffered for three years of torture. Yeah. At the hands of these people and the whole system and how big of a system it is. Not realizing that, you know, being like any parent to protect your children would result in huge backlash just to shut you down and shut you up that's what your government that's what these people are supposed to be there for yeah and i never got that at all i mean like i said i mean we made a complaint to the bishop uh they said there was nothing we could do uh we went to the education minister uh, federal and provincial. We had gone to the uh of school board. We had gone to the justice minister. We had gone to the health minister. We had gone to later on to the children's services minister. We had gone to the attorney general's office. We even got a letter back to Trudeau. We wrote Trudeau. We wrote federal and provincial ministers. Where Trudeau's letter had stated, now like I said, I mean I'm sure it's not directly from him signed off by I guess his assistant, stating that he doesn't have jurisdiction here.
2: The Prime Minister doesn't have jurisdiction, right? Right. Right. Shocking, you know? So,
3: through it all, I mean, just getting no help, getting nowhere. I had truancy um, coming to say, you know, your children got to be in school. I said, I'm fully aware of that. But at the time, see, it was midway through the year. You cannot just uproot your children from one school to the next and just walk into a school and say, "Here, you know, here's my children. Can you educate them?" It was a process, mm-hmm. and that process it takes uh, a lot of paperwork. You, you know, you have to contact them. I didn't want them in the Catholic school system. Period. So, I mean, that's another thing that was uh, a contributing factor on um, restricting me from getting them back in school. To take them and put them into a public school, it. It would take a lot of work, a lot of help. So this is why I also did contact the education minister to see if there was anybody to help me. I got truancy on me here. I don't know what to be doing. I got a phone call from this lady, Carrie Myers. And at first she wouldn't say who she was. She just said that she had gotten a call from someone in government that we were in trouble with the children and that we needed help to get them in school you know what do you need help with i said well i need to get them in school so she's like don't worry we're going to help you out and i said you know who are you what do you do and she she wouldn't disclose that So that was a bit odd to me Hi, i said you know like i'd like to know because i said you know i'd like to even thank whoever it was that sent you to us because we've been desperately seeking help you know and she said, "Well, you know, that's that information you're privy to, and so on and so forth." And I'm like, "Okay, well, I could see it if it was something that was negative, <laughs> but something positive, you know, like you would think that would be something that was ever to be exposed. But anyways, she wouldn't allow the information to come out. But she did mention her name. Um, she just said, "Perry," and it didn't, it didn't, it didn't um, click with me. Right. Right. It did yeah, not click
2: with me at all.
3: I haven't met this person mm. I never laid eyes on her so i she asked me if I would um, meet with her so I met with her and she came to our house and I had that whole report. good she wanted to interview my children separately just to see how they were doing I didn't think anything of it because I have nothing to hide I figured you know okay yeah absolutely no problem I put a recorder in my son's room, an audio recorder in my son's room. My daughter, which I actually didn't realize, comes, no, she she was more shy. She used her, she had a um, leapfrog tablet. She recorded her conversation on that.
1: Wow. So I,
3: I didn't even realize that. But she had done that herself. I do have the recording of her reporting my son. She asked him questions about school. I don't know, like my son was more open with her than he was with me. I think after he disclosed what had happened and I actually removed him from school, that he believed he must have been safe because he was able to talk about it a little bit more freely. Mm-hmm. He didn't bring it up in conversation or topic unless it was... unless. He brought it up She talked about um, School with him And he tried to talk to her Several times on that recording About the abuse he suffered And she cut him off She redirected the conversation To ask how her mom His mommy and daddy were toward him If your mommy and daddy has ever touched you Or hurt you or Yeah And so she always turned The conversation around on us so my son would say, my daddy's so funny, he loves music, he loves to dance and sing with me, and my mommy is so beautiful, and me and my mommy are going to get married, and he just, you know, like he talked about his toys, was in his room, and she kept redirecting the conversation back to home situation. you know, and that's on the recording that I still have today. Good on you. Yeah. So I didn't listen to it until after because um, she came with another lady. Her name was Barbara Langford Price, come to realize after, and she's another assessor as well with Children's Services. So she was up, she was talking with us. We have a four-story house at the time, and uh, we were speaking with her, so we recorded everything at this point. And um, so they were asking us, you know, everything about... Newfoundland and how are the children? Just minor details, and then some like you know more in depth details. the The funny thing that I thought very strange is that they they really pressed on the fact that the children were not under Alberta health care; they were under Newfoundland health care. Because we traveled back and forth quite a bit as well, and at that point, I made a decision that I wasn't. We were going to go home. Mm. So I mean, I never had an issue where Newland Healthcare has not paid yeah. for my children's health anywhere along the board, anywhere across the line. Um, my kids had saw regular pediatricians every six months; they were healthy, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. So they were always paid, or they would have came to me.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, so it was never an issue. But they made a really big issue on that. Now this is something I find very odd, and this is something I'll I'll explain in a bit. But they really pressed for that. And I said, you know, why does it matter? As long as they have health care and it's covered and they're getting the necessary needs off of it, why does it matter if it's Alberta or if it's Newfoundland? And they said, well, you know, you've been here in Newfoundland, or sorry, in Alberta for X amount of time. You should be switching it over It's illegal." I was like, if it's illegal, it, somebody would have said something. Somebody, everybody knows where we're to. We've been in the same home now since we came here. We go back and forth. So what difference does it make? So that was very implemented, emphasized in the recordings, on that those, um, on the recordings that I have, to contact with her. So, anyways, after all that, they had left. They stayed in constant communication. Um, I said to her, "Listen, you're going to have to talk to Deborah Tallman. She's a truancy officer. She's on me. She's on us about getting the kids in school, and we don't have truancy in the so I didn't realize what a big deal it was to do. I mean, you can get in a lot of trouble here. Like, you can get fines, you can do jail time for it. I mean, we were in panic mode. I knew my kids were out of school for quite a while and they needed to be in school. So, um, I wasn't privy actually even to the fact that they had homeschool up here. So that wasn't an option for me because I didn't even know. Nobody mm-hmm. made that known to me. Mm-hmm. And if I had to have known that, that would have been a great option. Because it yeah. would have been home and so on. So, anyways, it got into May and May 27th because I had this call also it. I spoke to Carrie Myers and said, Carrie, listen, I'm tired. Nobody's helping. My children are suffering. We've made the, the, the group decision that we're going to move home. We're going to move home. My children aren't getting supported up here. They're not in school. You can't get them in school. So, what well, we're going to do, because that's my birthday, actually, May 27th, so this is why I know this dates so well, um, and I do have it recorded. I said, family are here, and we're celebrating my birthday with the kids, and she asked me where the children were, and I said, you know, they're in a hotel, you know, spending time with my family, and we're going to go meet up with them because it's my birthday today. So I said, I just wanted to clarify to you that it's going to take us a while to move home. It's going to take the summer. We're going to be going back and forth. We have all our belongings to move. Uh, we have to get the kids registered, um, so on and so forth. There's a lot of work. So she said, you know, I apologize. There's nothing that we could do for you guys. And, you know, we wish your children well and your future endeavors and so on and so forth. And that was it. That was it. I never heard from her until October 24th, 2019, 2 o'clock. I had an assessor. This is I didn't know at the time, but I'm telling you this now because I know who these people are now. I had an assessor knock at the door at 2 p.m. with a uh, Constable Harris and pictures with him and a Barber line surprise again.
2: Sorry, can you just say that again and, and just a back from the microphone because it, it muffled a bit.
3: Uh, on October 24, 2019, I had a knock at the door at 2 p.m. from uh, an assessor. Clayton. Uh, he was with uh, Barbara Lynch's Prize, the other assessor that was at the house, Harry, um, and a Constable Harris. There was other police in the back, in the backdrop.
2: Could you see how many officers were in the backdrop? I saw
3: about four um, police vehicles, and I found that really odd. Mm. So, I'm like, they. they said, we need to come in to have concerns for your children. I said, my children aren't here. I lied to them.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I made this known on, when I was in court. course. I made because I had fear because this, you got a feeling. Yeah. My dog told me, this isn't right. Something's not right here. All these police were showing up. And I asked him who he was. He said, you don't need to know that. I said, yes, I do need to know that. And I said, what is the nature of your call today? No, he said, we need to come in and see your children. I said, well, unless you have paperwork, or you're going to tell me why, you're not getting into my home.
2: Which is your full legal right.
3: Right. So they kept saying they wanted to come in and see the children, I kept denying that they were in there. I lied. I kept saying that they weren't in there because I knew something was not right. Yeah. So I closed the door and I, I zip-tied the door because the lock, I had two there, I zip-tied it, and I made sure it just stayed locked. Um, At this time, we were five days away from moving permanently back to Newfoundland. So we had everything boxed in the house. Um, We had our itinerary tickets, which I later had sent to children's services. My children were to fly out on the 30th, and we were to leave on the 31st because I didn't want the children in the house while we were moving the boxes out of the house, so I kind of wanted them out of the way, um, you know, not in the chaos. So they were going to fly out with an aunt on the 30th october so um somebody must have alerted them or let them know that was was happening because i found another odd thing actually if i could just go back a of steps the night before they came i was woken off two steps out on my deck i have a huge deck and i could hear that you could hear when somebody's on it Mm -hmm. and when we got off and looked and this was like two three o'clock in the morning there was flashlight shining through the window and my husband went out and you could just hear him run away I didn't see or know who mm-hmm. was I never had a clue what didn't you know that was this so we kind of on and off up all night I didn't know who we would be robbed I didn't know if was, like, I didn't know so that was a very odd thing for me uh so I don't know if that was then don't know I know that we were being watched uh weeks I know that my neighbor at the time had stated to me that Carrie Myers tried to get into my house throughout the summer when I wasn't home. My neighbor disclosed this information to me. She tried to let herself in, but we weren't. We weren't home. The we door was locked. So my neighbor had disclosed that they had seen her in the front and through the back trying to get in. Um, I was not. I, I didn't know at the time that this was her because my neighbor didn't know who she was. Mm-hmm. But this is this has all been out in the disclosure throughout court documents so this is why i'm telling you right this that i know this information now so if i don't tell you that now you're not going to know
2: yeah so let's let's get back to the day what happened after okay. you zip tied the the door
3: i ziplocked the door and i went down to the bottom floor my master bedroom was down on the bottom flat um I told the kids, I said, you know, get ready, we're going to we're gonna leave. So the kids got their jackets on, and we were getting ready to leave, and I was going to go through the back door. The back door has our double garage. We have two vehicles in it, and we have a big garden. And that's the only way. Can, we always enter out through the back anyways. Um, when I opened the door, there was police there. There was two police cars um, that... Had closed in this way, where I couldn't get out of the garage. There was police line off across the back fence of my garden.
0: Um. Okay, I'm going to cut it off there because it's uh it's an hour and forty minute interview. But you get the idea: of police brutality, lawful abuse. Woman didn't do anything. She was. Being protective of her children, and they basically had surrounded her home like a criminal. And because her child was molested by somebody in the parish, and this was all to cover that up all to cover it up. And again, this is this ties back to Floyd George and that police incident that happened there. The police officer standing around doing nothing, complicit with the criminal activity. See, it doesn't matter really what your color, race, creed, or beliefs are. Criminal activity being done by the law enforcement is still criminal activity. And everybody, doesn't matter where you're from, should be outraged. Now, this is a mom in Canada. How many other moms throughout this country are having to go through the same bullshit because their child got molested by a minister or or a priest or a cleric or a high priest or some sort of guru, whatever, and then being lambasted and and trying to cover it up and even putting the fault on the family. Welcome to Canada, eh? <laughs> it's um, it's an atrocity, literally. It's an atrocity, and it's it's uh, the, the fact that this even is existing in this country is just beyond fathomable. I wonder what the I wonder what the patriarchs of this country would be thinking today. Makes you wonder. Like I said, it's going to get worse. We are in a fascist system. In fascism, corporations have more rights than the individuals. Have you noticed over the last four, four and a half decades how the unions had power and strength in order to Um, create a better working environment for the general laborer. And today they have no power because the corporations bought out the unions as well. So they collect their dues. You have a job. Something goes on. they They only step in if it's really something that's legal. You know, that could cause corporation problems not to protect the worker but to protect the corporation that's where we're at today everything's inverted everything but play another song by Marvin Gaye and I'm gonna wrap it up I think it's another apropos song the reason why I'm playing these songs is because this act these kind of things were actually happening back in the 60s and 70s when I grew up and I'm seeing this this as a rerun on steroids And now this is happening throughout the commonwealth. Where when this was going on in America. The commonwealth was not dealing with this. In fact the commonwealth was actually criticizing America very strongly. Now the shoes on the other foot. The left has dropped with the right. And you have to understand. What America was back in the 60's was a prototype. They were the first. They were number one. So they were going to be the first ones. They were going to prototype all these issues and now now they have a format and a plan which they have developed over four decades or five decades me, even six decades. So now we're seeing this in f- uh, full fruition running by a bunch of ha- by a handful of mil- billionaires controlling the corporations today, dictating policy and, You're going to find out more and more as this evolves that you have very little rights. And when you try to stand up for your rights, there's going to be some kind of opposition. Right now, it's still peaceful. Right now, it's still on a relatively peaceful side. But this is not going to stop here. This is going to continue to continue to keep going. If they can't kill you with the injections, they're going to kill you with microwaves. If they can't kill you with the microwaves, they're going to kill you with starvation they can't kill you with starvation they're gonna kill you with thirst they are going to continue this you know call it a forecast of things to come but this is never going to stop and more and more of us are gonna wind up in the streets you're not gonna be able to afford to live not gonna be able to go to the stores you're not gonna be able to get what you need unless you've got that chip Bible's been talking about the mark of the beast for a long time this is it This is it in progression. Any minister today still doesn't think this is what this is. They've got to quit smoking their doobie. This is going on right now. And people are dropping dead right now because of the frequency activation by their phones or by the towers or by whatever means. And it's killing them. And those who are still in this world of Walt Disney Channel, your time is coming. Period. It's coming. All right, let me play this, and I'll wrap it up. Hold on. Here we go. Like I said, if you want to hear the whole tune, it'll be there for you to click on. The um, there's an interesting part to that lyric. Um, you know, make me want to holler. The way they do my life, this ain't living. This ain't living. No, baby, this ain't living. Um, inflation, no chance to increase finance. They have subjected us to a control. Where we can't pay our bills or our taxes, and now they want to take away your money. A lot of this is somewhat prophetic, you know. This happened back then. Okay, this happened back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. They just happened to target a specific group of people in America, and in Canada, they targeted another specific group of people, the natives. Same shit. Same exact program, same exact results. Destruction of a culture. And I'm pointing this out because if we're attacking moms in this country, in Canada, which is supposed to be a Christian country, we're beginning to realize, maybe some of us, that this is not a Christian country. That it's more of a fascist regime. And you better start waking up to that reality. Some of you may say, "I'm, I'm exaggerating, am I? Am I? It is the one thing about Canada that is really a bad thing Canadian people for the most part are apathetic to a fault just apathetic and this is going on at that level when it comes to you who's gonna stand with you if you don't stand now there's some kind of story or poem I forget about how The theme of it, but the gist of it was, when it came time to fight, in the beginning, when it could be fought, at the end, when it came down to that person, there was nobody there left to fight to help him, because everybody was dead. Because nobody showed up for the fight. And I'm saying this not to start an insurrection, but to use within your means to separate yourselves from disinsanity if it means seceding from uh, your confederation or your statehood or, or your association with a country maybe that isn't a bad thing it may be difficult to rebuild but it's better than being a, having a boot on your throat and then being dictated what to do and to put toxic materials inside your body that shouldn't be there and to be violated so that you can't even come back to your own country without the government knowing what 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 side of the, your ass you're farting on. So again, it's it's time to see. It's time to wake up. They're going to bring in another wave of crap by mid-October for sure. Now there's a convoy going to Saskatchewan. I talked about this the other day. I don't know what's come of it yet, but I'm hoping this is not something that's going to lead to a major. Martial law effect in Canada, which may happen. Somebody said well, you shouldn't say that. They'll get the idea. They already got these ideas. If you think for one minute that they haven't a uh, planned and projected whatever the, the concept that could happen, using artificial intelligence to figure out all these anomalies that could go wrong. Okay, then you're the one behind the, behind the eight ball that's sleeping. <coughs> so again, they've already made plans. The only thing they haven't planned on, perhaps is the those who are still standing fighting. And they probably, and they've got a contingency for that too, I'm sure. So as I always say at the end of these shows, you might want to read your gospels, because the only saving grace that I see at this point is God. Jesus. You know, I always tell you read the gospels, read what Jesus had to say. Some of you might say, well isn't that a cop out? No, it's not a cop out. I mean you can't Beat this force with your own strength, because they are more than formidable in regarding to you and those who the very little that will fight. If God before you, nothing can stand against you. So it only makes sense to go to God, especially now, and to stay with God. Not when this this fall passes over, we forget God. That's been the fucking problem from day one. Every time we have had God defend us and protect us and deliver us. We forget about him. That's a lot of bullshit, to be honest with you. Doesn't get his due. Mother Nature, the universe, fuck that. When it comes right down to it, God created all of this stuff, and you need to recognize that his God is going to deliver us through Christ. The first time Jesus came down here, came down here as a priest, second time he's coming, he's coming as a king, and he ain't going to eff around. So I suggest seriously that you read the Gospels, because this, what we're seeing today, is only going to devolve even further. Not a scare tactic. This is your life, state. this is your life preserver. Just remember, when this is over, you don't forget who got you there. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the one who will save us. So, and salvation may not be what you think either. It may not be that he's going to deliver us. From this, whatever. He may deliver us, but it may not be the way we think. So, anyway, read the Gospels. I always tell you, read what Jesus had to say. Read the book of Revelations, because that is the playbook. I always tell you, read the Gospels and the letters so that you can see how the church evolved and how there's a growth process, and this will also be with you, too. The more you connect with God, the more you're going to grow and change, and there are going to be conflicts in your growth. That's just normal. That's just normal. So anyway, I will leave you with that. I always tell you as well that there are people above who are doing things to try to help everybody find solutions for their health and other things. If you can contribute to them, please do so. If you can't because of the violations that have have happened to you as a result of this insanity that's going on, WF uh, Conquering Canada, get back on your feet when you can. Take care of your families. And if you can at that point in time help, please do so. But till then, till then... Share the show. Share the show. All righty. I always say at the end of these shows as well, we are still here by the grace of God. So to the next segment, to your health, take care.